Aloha, Ronnie Landis here. Welcome to another edition of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show. And I am also the founder of the Holistic Health Mastery Certification Course. You can find more information about that at holistichealthmastery.com. And I'm excited to share yet again another incredible interview with you guys. And this interview was with a good friend and colleague of mine, Anthony Canello. And I first met Anthony a few years ago in Los Angeles through a mutual friend of ours. And it was one of those interesting synchronistic moments in time where you don't know that somebody is going to become a very instrumental presence in your life. Whether you know about it, even in the encounter or not, it's just through the the, the tracking of your life, you realize the, the consistent occurrences of somebody showing up in your world um, make a big impact. And that's the way it was with me and Anthony. And I won't go into long stories about that because there are definitely some stories. But essentially, this was a brother that I came across um, at the same age, basically, that I'm at. And um, someone that I saw just produce a prolific amount of content. Usually, people around my age, I'm 30, people younger than me a lot of times, or even older than me, they will tell me that they are very impressed with the amount of information and informational vehicles and content that I've put together. And that's great. But when I saw him, I was astonished because when I met him, he was like, 25, 26, no, like 26 maybe, um, and he already had about 10 or 11 books published, and I was immediately like, oh, wow, this is a doer. This is a type of guy that gets lemons and immediately turns it into lemonade. Like, this guy has put together a great volume of content and has a great um, angle on a lot of these topics that I speak about, but just comes at it from a slightly different perspective. And I really appreciate that. And in this interview, we really go into a lot of the different aspects around the creative force of life and and really how to nurture and how to mobilize your intrinsic creativity, that life force that's residing within you that seeks expression and the health modalities that we can use, that we can anchor into our lifestyle to express more creativity and all that kind of amazingness. So we go into a lot of different things in this conversation, a lot of things that I really feel are going to spark a lot of interest with a lot of people. And yeah, I feel like the best way to really expose you to this is just ending on that note and just jumping right into our recorded conversation. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to Anthony Canello and enjoy. Anthony James Canello is a master herbalist, awarded speaker, author, inventor, musician, and owner of the Phoenix Institute. 
Anthony began his adventure into alternative health after a long-fought battle with insomnia and a rare nervous system condition known as post-herpetic neuralgia. Afterwards, Anthony began consulting family and friends on natural methods to improve their health and well-being. Since then, his life has appreciably snowballed into a dynamic path of service, self-healing, and continuous education. He now lectures throughout the United States, has authored over 14 books, and continues to consult with people from all walks of life. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure and an honor to finally have you on here. I definitely had the intention to bring you on um, at the right time, and I guess that's now. And, you know, uh, for everyone listening, um, me and Anthony have been friends for a number of years, and I want to let everyone know that there's a great YouTube video between us from last year when I lived in Sedona called The Seven Fundamentals of Health. And funny enough, you and me were both just watching that video just as kind of like a little refresher before the interview. And it just brought up a lot of cool things for me. And how, what a breadth and depth of knowledge and work that you've created in the world. It's, it's, it's staggering still. It's, it's monumental. And I'm just so excited to have you here. Well, the pleasure is all mine, Ronnie. And um, I feel the same way. I I feel like I feel uh, very pleased and happy to know that there's another person uh, like me doing a lot of work and putting a lot of work out there, and that's yourself. And um, and you're only you're about my age too. So yeah, just, last year's interview was amazing. I. I must have uh, rewatched it about five or ten times since last year, and it's. Uh, I, I really appreciated the dynamic that we had. Um, we talk about a lot of the same things, and uh, yeah, I'm. Um, since last year, I've uh, I've moved on from writing books and. Uh, traveling across the country and giving lectures and kind of settled humbly into um, and in sort of been incubating on different ideas that I've been working with. Probably going to share them with you tonight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Well, I, I think um, the place that I like to usually start with all my guests is kind of the beginning you know I feel that we all have a story and we have an impetus we have a catalytic moment or maybe a series of moments that opens up a new pathway for us some people come from a place that they were hurt they they had some kind of um, dysfunction or dis-ease of some sort then they had to find a way to solve it for themselves and that led them into you know the healing arts. Right. I'm curious, what was the yeah. what was the thing or series of things that inspired you to take on this this path? Oh, thank you. That's that's a great question. Um, um, well, there were, of, of course, a series of things. Um, since we have about an hour, I'm going to try to 
develop the story a little bit better. Um, yeah, I had post-hepatic neuralgia. I did have insomnia. Um, that was basically caused by me not taking very good care of myself, uh, living a musician's life in New Orleans and um, misunderstanding uh, how I was eating, thinking, what I was drinking, what I was smoking. Um, so that was the um, that was sort of what what broke my back. But um, before all of that happened, when I was uh, seventeen, I uh, I decided, and I've never really been clear on why I decided to do it. I I decided to just turn off my television and never watch TV habitually again. And that was um, that was the first thing that I really committed to for my health. Mm-hmm. If, and I'm sure that makes sense to your listening audience. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just sensed about me, I, 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 I could observe the way I the way I was, was so influenced by that little box that everyone watches. Like, you know, what I would think, even when I wasn't thinking and I would lay my head to go to sleep, I would, you know, these, the narrative that, that plays in your head that you don't want to play, it just sounded way too much like television and I couldn't stand it. Um, so, and uh, I, was, I was honestly very, I was bored with, with myself. I was, I didn't necessarily hate myself. I was just bored with, just fed up with it. And I, and in one day I threw it away. And, um, later on I, uh, let's see. So I had, then I went to college and treated my body all kinds of bad, had to leave college came back home, couldn't work, couldn't go to school because I couldn't use my hands. I had a nervous system condition in my hands that would prevent me from writing or typing or playing an instrument. I played guitar at the time. And so I would read and I read everything that, not everything, I read every genre of of book because I just... um, I was terminally dissatisfied. I read autobiographies, science, and eventually the things that I liked most were self-help books hmm. and um, um, and uh, kind of like the uh, new science classics like The Secret Life of Plants by Christopher Bird. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first book that I read that um, – that changed my world. I wouldn't say it changed my life at that point, but I never looked at the world the same way when I found out that plants were alive and that, and that potentially everything is alive, which is the theme of that book. Um, and so I kept on reading. I read uh, Survival into the 21st Century by Victoris Kolvinskis. Mm-hmm. I read Healing with Whole Foods by Paul Pitchford. Um, and within reading, within reading uh, The Secret Life of Plants, two years after that, my neuralgia was uh, healed. And, and the funny thing about that is that it was uh, me- modern medicine 
considers post-hepatic neuralgia um, irreversible, and I reversed it. And so from that point, I was, um, I had a lot of knowledge. I, if someone, a friend or a family member would ask me, what can I do to help with, with uh, my cold, my arthritis, my blood pressure, I would, I would tell them and sort of filled, I filled the role of someone who had, who was uh, in knowledge of these things and then um, caught a very lucky break with meeting a guy named Charles Walters. Charles Walters was the former owner of the Phoenix Institute, and he he and I became friends. He counseled me, um, was in a sense a mentor for about a year and a half, and um, he was a he was a really interesting guy. About seventy years old, but looked maybe forty five. You know, guys like this, mm-hmm. and uh, he. Um, Unfortunately, one day he broke his back. He he literally broke his spine, slipping on some black ice. And uh, he had he he didn't know what to do about his business, so he let me run it. And then he became very uh, pessimistic if he was ever going to be able to run the business again. So he sold it to me. And there I was, twenty three or twenty two, actually. Um, with a full roster of clients, uh, giving people nutritional consultations, health, uh, uh, foot baths, uh, all kinds of things. And boy, I was sweating under my armpits, you know, um, because even if you know a lot, you have to feel like you know a lot. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, so it took a while and. I think my my shirts were sweaty for about a year, but I got over it, and uh, it was one of the most beautiful experiences ever to just get over that and really uh, take on a position of some responsibility uh, and helping people with their health. I fell in love with it, and from and then um, because I was in such a comfortable place, and the money was coming in. And uh, people were, and I was seeing results in people, and I had, uh, to some effect, helped to heal them. Um, it was a, became one of the most beautiful periods of my life, and I personally believe that someone who's in a very balanced, centered place in their life can be it uh, is ideal for doing creative creative work. So I wrote a book. Um, and it was actually easy. Uh, it was a simple, small book on folk medicine, and uh, it went along in about six months, which was a long time for me, and then I kept on writing. And um, it was really, uh, to what later amounted, about three years ago, to 14 books and two compilations, um, and I swear, Ronnie, it all seems like it was yesterday. <laughs> um, but I, I uh, so I'm doing something very different now. But the hard work paid off, and the skills remain. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I can a, say. You know what? That's a great, a great point to to emphasize a little bit. 
what I'm getting out of your story and also what I'd like to um, uh, just kind of uh, communicate to the audience through our conversation up to this point is that you mentioned something really important was that even though you may know a lot, you have to feel like you know a lot, right? And that can be kind of um, a learning curve and also the evolution of one's confidence in oneself and having the conviction in their their capabilities to do whatever they want to do, but especially when you have a certain amount of responsibility to help somebody who is in a situation where they need they need a new direction, they need a shift in their their health protocol yep. or their psychological state or whatever have you. It's an interesting thing because I've definitely been in that position. I'm continually renewed in that sense of responsibility and deepening my own learning curve and, you know, holding a, a bigger space for the people that I am working with, so on and so forth. But, you know, what what I want to just emphasize and hand back to you on that point is that I come across a lot of people, not just clients or people that come to lectures and stuff, but just people in general that feel maybe disenfranchised. They feel um, terminally frustrated. <laughs> uh, they're not doing what they truly are called yeah. to do, and they're not being able to express that creative energy that you mentioned. And I feel like sure. that's that's really the thing that, that subdues vibrant health long term. Sure. So, you know, what what, what about that? Yeah, what about that? It what seems about, that yeah. <laughs> whenever we whenever whenever we start talking, we end up here first. Yeah. Um, whether it's the video last year or even in our conversations, it's a great it's a great place to start. Um, um, what about that? Is well, uh, it's my it's my opinion and strong belief that the can can is it? I can't curse on your show, can can I? Is, Whatever. Not, it's not appropriate. Yeah, well, the fine. first thing you have to learn to do is to unfuck yourself, Got because it. most people are living are living that way. For instance, um, you may uh, you may I may know someone or you may know someone who has leukemia, um, and they need to seek professional help, but also consider blood cleansing, blood alkalizing. But if you are still smoking cigarettes and carbon monoxide is in your blood. You're fucking yourself, you know? Mm. It's um so it's getting people to face that truth and and take steps toward it is a real art. And I think you need to be more than just you need to have more than just conviction in yourself. There has to be although the conviction is necessary. You know, the the confidence in being a teacher and being a leader, um, but you have to have some knowledge and be open-minded. You know, you know, you can't just be Donald Trump and think you know everything, <laughs> because um, it it can backfire. A lot of people, unfortunately, it's the part of the human condition is that we respond. What was it like? Ninety percent of people respond emotionally to um, advertising and not intellectually. Yes. Uh, like they, people respond. Well, I'm, people, you know, people respond to the 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 ninety percent nonverbal in in people, and maybe, and 
that's a little imbalanced, you know. I'm. Can you so can you, uh, um, that right there that point you just made about the the nonverbal communication and how we are essentially, um, I guess, programmed or influenced by that? Can we just drive that point real quick? Definitely. Well, I think it personally goes to goes back to people's parents. Um, I'll take a psychological uh, view on it. It goes back to the the figures in authority that people figures of authority people have in their lives, um, and people are naturally drawn to um, like a second mother or a second father or someone mm. who has the ability to really reach nonverbal. And that's a beautiful thing to understand because if you don't understand it, you will be chasing around your second mother or second father blindly. Um, so it comes down to the question is, what do I think power is? Not, not you know, intellectually, not intellectually, but artistically, aesthetically. Like, what do, what kind of people do I think are powerful? And obviously, the next question is, are they really powerful? Like, does Donald Trump really have ten billion dollars? You know what I'm saying? Like, um, yeah, or- yeah. So what? What I think you're you're alluding to is. We are programmed or we're, we're influenced based on a superficial um, messaging. So we automatically, in Donald Trump's case, we see Donald Trump and we assume a sense of power and a sense of, um, uh, you know, know-how. Like he knows how to turn around the economy because he has all this money. So he must know how to make money for all of us kind of thing, right? It's like people go to their fear and project what they assume about, in this case, someone like Donald Trump or what somebody projects upon a doctor or a dentist and what they can do for them because they're essentially in a state of fear. Is that right? Right. Right. Yeah. So let's let's use Donald Trump as an example. Um, People like him, uh, whether they I think whether they know it or not, because he's a billionaire and people want to be billionaires. They want to be financially secure. And uh, that's that's all well and good. But um, let's – what if we have someone else who also is a billionaire but to his credit, this other person has created more millionaires and more mm. multimillionaires than Donald Trump ever could. So he, right. he doesn't just have it all but he, he, you know, he has the ability to help people find their dreams and um, – that's that's a very rare kind of person. Um, you know, Ronnie, I I don't have an answer for your question right now, but what I how to un, how to get people to get unstuck really comes down to what is causing your suffering and what is causing your pain and do you have the 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 desire to um to um live greater than that mm-hmm. i think um going back to my nature pyramid I, i'm trying not to reference my nature pyramid because that's what we did last the last time that we talked uh on the video but in my nature pyramid which is the theme of several of my books um 
there are cornerstones, and these dictate the process of progressive change in people's lives. And the first cornerstone is elimination. So you eliminate what causes your suffering, what causes your pain, and to do that, you have to first identify it. And what is driving this cornerstone is a fire, and that fire represents a will to live. Um, there are people in the world who are blessed with an enormous will to live, um, and then there are people who are not. Um, but what many of us don't understand is that a will to live has to be cultivated. Mm-hmm. It's not something you're just automatically born with, like, oh, this person, they, they climbed the mountains in every continent and they can do all this. What, what was it about them from their, from their birth? Maybe it was the fact that they realized they could change themselves, albeit slowly, but change themselves and, and create a greater desire to live and to live better and to live healthy and balanced and well and to continually cultivate that desire every day. I think that may be my best answer to your question, but that's that's the best I can do. No, man, I'm so glad that you even brought that principle up. Um, I sometimes will talk about the subtle death urges that arise in people, um, in terms of exactly what you're talking about, how to unstuck ourselves, uh, um, how to get out of our own way and, and to, to repattern the behaviors that we operate our life from. And it's such a fascinating topic. Um, but just this one point, I think it's really worth magnifying and, and um, amplifying just a bit for everyone to really get this is that built within all of us based on a number of factors that, you know, basically influences and programmings. Let's let's simplify it that way. We have subtle death urges um, inside of us, and that can basically just be in the, the, the behaviors, habits, and thought patterns that subtract from our greatest potential. Let's just say that. And then now what you're bringing up is just, it's actually just very fascinating for me to even meditate on is this idea that, some people have a greater will to live inherently than others. And, and for me, I can go down the rabbit hole of like, wow, that must have to do with like past lives. Certain people have different archetypes than other people. Um, some people right. may have a different adrenal capacity for for producing sure. the adrenal hormones that can actually get them up and going. Um, they don't have as much fear as other people, yada, yada, yada. Um, but I... I I'm going to come back to that point is that what you're saying and what I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling this right now. That's why I think I'm driving this so much is that some people have a greater propensity for willpower inherently than other people. But does that mean that that's, that is necessarily the deal that some people that say they didn't have the motivation as a young child, they didn't have the, the support or encouragement, um, can those people, too, develop that same propensity for, for life as other people? Absolutely. I, the thing is, um, what we're taught in, in civilization is that uh, we're taught that it only would require one day, one pill, Mm. One book to read, one something, and then boom, you have 
you have that magic elixir and it's going to take you into your future and you're going to be happy and all of that. But, but the fact is that is that is not true. What is true is that even if you put in 10 minutes or 15 minutes of, of work, um, every action has an equal and opposite reaction and you are going to get you're going to change, even if only the slightest bit, you're going to change. If you, if you desire to have a greater desire to live and you act on that, it's, it's going to happen. And um, the, the way to do it is to be content with baby steps, baby steps, baby steps at first. And they become, they become adult steps if you stick with it. Um, that's that's part about being alive. I think that's uh, and it doesn't you know to an extent in in a sense it doesn't matter where you're coming from um, because this is what we're describing here is more of an experiment. This is a this is an experiment in human potential, and we're asking or suggesting to the audience to to try it out to. Maybe tonight or this morning or tomorrow. Um, focus on creating a greater will to live and see what happens. Um, because when you create a greater will to live, and if you, do it, if you do it correctly, your life is not going to look the same. And that that's really the problem that that's one of the problems people have is they want things to be the same or to be the way they used to be, but everything is um, meant to change. And um, creating a greater will to live effectively means turning the page in your life to, um, to an unknown. And not be afraid of the unknown. Mm, mm, um, this is why I like talking because we talk about the things that matter most. The things that <laughs> actually that really matter, right? <laughs> the thing that matters the most and that not a lot of people are talking about right now. Yeah, I... Um, this, mm-hmm. Go ahead, go ahead. It's a conversation I have with myself. You know, you know, it's a conversation I have with myself and I've had with myself very often um, for some years all the time in my life. And from it, I kind of just charted it out the nature the, the cornerstones and the first I, I may as well run it run it down the so the first cornerstone to progressive change is feeding that desire to live and letting gig and and identifying resolving the causes of your suffering to a point after that what what comes naturally in this in this process of evolution is you start to question your world because after all the world is starting to change you're no longer on the wheel of karma the past isn't in your face every day and so you start to think the world is actually kind of funny it's i see it differently today and um the the second cornerstone is called evolution evolution is looking at the world and deciding what and what it is not uh, what is and what is not right for you because there's a big world out there with a lot of people a lot of 
options from exercises, and prayers, and foods, and mantras, and teachers. And we have to. We have a right to choose um, what is right for us. That's part of being alive, you know. So, to to recap, from elimination, identifying the cause, what's what's messing us up, and then finding out what our options are and what is right and what is not right for us. That's um, that's that's like winter into spring. In winter, we're going to clear the ground, freeze everything over, prepare to start fresh. And in spring, we sow the seeds of our self-education, our our education on life. And the third cornerstone is called hygiene. Hygiene is actually uh, uh, comes from the root, the root meaning of hygiene is to uh, maintain the conditions of health. But to maintain the conditions of health, we first have to figure out what health is personally. And we do that only through the second cornerstone, or evolution. And we, so hygiene is sort of like the summertime when the plants are starting to grow tall and strong. Because we now, in hygiene, we now know what's right for us. We know what we um, should and should not do. And, um, and we receive a great reward from that. And the reward from that is, on top of a greater will to live, the reward is creative energy. We're more creative. We, we have discovered what is, what's uh, tripping us up. We thought about our options like a scientist. We pursued the right path for us, for ourselves, like warriors. And now we get to live like artists because we have all that free space in our souls. To me, um, it's like winter, spring, summer, and the harvest into fall. Uh, it's my, it's how I see it. I love it. I love it. And it's a mirror of my own personal meditations and philosophies. And, you know, where this is leading my thought process as I look at the time and I, I assume where a lot of listeners might be at with this is they might be um, totally vibing with this train of thought, but also kind of thinking like, all right, how can I cultivate an art of nourishing life force, so to speak? That, that's my own language anyways. How, right. how can I cultivate this life force inside of me and this will to live uh, more expansively? And the direction I want to take with you on this is a, is a recent inspiration, but I know it's something that you have worked a lot with. So um, I'm starting to read this new amazing book by this woman, Kat Duff, and it's called The Secret Life of Sleep. Hey. And what an incredible book. I, you know, my friend and colleague Sean Stevenson recently released this best-selling book, um, Smart Sleep, or Sleep Smarter, and yeah. which is based on mostly the science and the, the clinical research on sleep and all that great stuff. Not that we necessarily need a database of research to convince us that sleep is probably important. Um, <laughs> but this, Some people... 
some people well that's that is true and uh and and this book though goes to a different angle it does provide a lot of the scientific validation but then it goes into more like the folklore the the passing down of oral traditions and and written traditions on the different practices of different cultures and civilizations in their sleep dynamic and they didn't just have this like linear you only sleep once a day kind of deal, right? They And they didn't right. even do it necessarily as a health-focused practice. It was a natural, rhythmic um, orientation to one's own experience, um, obviously rising with the sun, sleeping with the, you know, the fall of the sun, as the saying goes. But it goes way deeper than that into the, into the areas of um, exploring the world of sleep. And, and so the, the thing I want to just kind of pass on to you and let you just run with it is, um, how, how vital is sleep, not just for the physiological and neurological aspect, but for the expansion, um, and maybe the clarification of our creative, uh, endeavors. Hmm. If there's, is that is there's that many ways to answer that question? Okay. I'm going to I'm trying to answer them quickly because we don't have that much time, and I could talk a lot about uh, about that. Um, okay, the first thing that comes to mind, um, which I practice, is there is a practice, and it's called by many. Na- it's known by many names, but essentially, if you read or if you focus on a certain topic before you go to bed, when you wake up, you will have the answer, or you'll have a resolution on that topic. Um, I find that to be very true. So that's one way that you can really bring out the spiritual, creative side um, through sleep is to is to understand that sleep is is healing you, mind, body, and spirit. And if you put something um, in the in the uh, metaphorical belly of your spirit, it's going to get digested during sleep, and um, you do that right before you go to sleep. Uh, that's that's something that I think everyone can and should do. There are a lot of people out there who go to sleep with uh, the uh, radio and television, unfortunately, and um, then you have uh, well, then you have uh, a problem there. Perhaps, or you don't have so much uh, cr- you don't have so much expansion. Um, th- now, um, the other way to answer that question is: sleep is one of the is the biggest mystery to scientists, and still is. Um, the uh, we could um, dwell on the science of it, but. Um, it, it all boils down to brain waves and your state of consciousness that you're that you're in during sleep. Uh, there's science that shows that if you don't have uh, a certain amount of uh, deep re- deep sleep or REM sleep or um, delta theta, then you're not really healing um, the way you should be. Your cells aren't fixing themselves like they should be. So. So sleep is something. Um, it's it's obvious that you're healing in sleep, but there are ways to, in your waking life, to improve that, and they have a lot to do with being comfortable in in those states of consciousness. And they're not difficult to reach either. Um, if you get a biofeedback machine and you go to work on, uh, and if you put some put a 
few hours of work in every other day, you will probably, if you're guided properly, um, get to those states of consciousness. And what that's doing is sort of like uh, purifying the water during the day so that at night you can, you can bathe peacefully in that, in that restorative energy. Um, let's see. Uh, um, another way I can take that, and I'll, I'll leave it at this, um, is that the older we get, the less melatonin we produce. And what people, what, what I think is really the cause of aging is um, an inability to restore ourselves during sleep the way we used to do when we were five or six years old. I'm, I'm pretty convinced that that's one of the biggest causes of aging or premature aging or disease is that we don't know how to heal anymore and he- sleeping is healing. So um, we can take whatever level of sleep you're at. Maybe you sleep really, maybe you, you sleep very well, you go to sleep all night and you fall asleep right away. Maybe you don't sleep at all. It doesn't matter um, whether you fall into A or B category or anywhere in between. The, the ability to heal yourself has a lot to do with how deep you go uh, in your brain and um, how healthy your body is. So, um, something that you can try to do that's a little out of the ordinary is, uh, I like using a heavy blanket nowadays. Uh, it's about 60 pounds. My blanket weighs about 60 pounds. And, um, I, uh, I also have, and what it does is it puts the muscles in, into a resting state. They don't move. Um, also I have, uh, I have blindfolds that completely cover the eyes and I have earplugs and I have uh, grounding sheets and I have a canopy on my ceiling that costs a pretty penny but is is my baby. Um, and the canopy shields you from 99% of all radio frequencies. And it's sort of like transparent. It's made of stainless steel. It attaches to a grounding rod. Um and, you know, you can kind of figure out the rest. And I got that. Uh, I should plug them, I guess, on lessemf.com. It's, it's a canopy, and it just drapes over your um, bed if you have a bed. Or so, it'll drape over. so this canopy you're talking about, essentially what it's doing is it's displacing or it's pushing off dirty electricity? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it really works. Uh, it's, you can test it. And if you sleep in it, it just, um, it's quieter in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's um, no noise pollution, in other words. No, no, not about noise. It's, it's quieter when you're, when you're, your nervous system has, uh-huh. it's getting less stimulus from right. the environment right. than it, you know, than it normally is. And especially if you live in New York City, which I do right now, you get an enormous amount of that, um, and uh, I could go on with air filters and things of that nature, but um, yeah, the the concept is is that you can take your normal healing phase of the day, which is your sleep, and I believe you can improve it. You can make it twice as healing, twice as healing. 
Um, and that's a, a rare privilege to, to give yourself. Um, and it's one of the, I, uh, I think now and I pro- I'll probably always say that that's one of the most important things you can do on a healing path is to amplify your sleep. Mm. 100% agree. And I, I, wanna, I want to um, evolve this idea and then bridge it over to the next thing. Um, that's going to make your point even more potent, I think, is that um, just for all the people listening, please understand that there's two phases, essentially, that your body is in at any given time, catabolism or anabolism. Catabolism is defined as like the breakdown of your cells or detoxification, digestion, whatever. Essentially, it's, it's a breakdown. So whenever you're awake, you're in a state of oxidization, oxidizing um, stress. You're breaking down on some level. And then when you go to sleep, that's really the only time that you're anabolic, meaning building up, growing, repair, rejuvenation. And so... Um, one of the things about that is that it's not just about the different tools and technologies and obviously they're part and parcel, but it's also in order to get really, you know, rapid eye movement sleep, REM sleep, um, Delta Theta, um, state sleep that you're alluding to that really deep rejuvenative sleep. It's not just about what you do before and during sleep. It's actually how you live your life, um, during your day. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. You so, can mm-hmm. can do an experiment and eat a whole lot right before you go to bed and see how well you sleep. Then. <laughs> and then you can uh, not eat five hours before you go to sleep and see how well you sleep. And you have... Sleep is, is, a, is an excellent... Honestly, it's an excellent barometer for your health. Um, I believe... Uh, I really believe that when you have dreams of flying and you have, you know, these um, uh, fantasy-like dreams, I think it's because your body is so happy Mm. that it's healthy and it's strong that you feel like you're flying, you know? Um, That's the message that you're sending to your body, by the way, when you're sleeping. So you wake up and you feel like you're light as a feather, buoyant. Um. Those are good dreams to have. I think they, they mean they mean that you're that health wise you're you're in flight. And that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful metaphor. Yeah. Beautiful. Um so with all that, um I know that you've been really into a lot of new projects since the last time we've talked, um and health based inventions and, and protocols. <laughs> Please share with yeah. us what you've been up to. Thank you. Yeah. It's um, been consuming a lot of my time. I've really been enjoying the talking about the nature pyramid and sleep. And, uh, but um, uh, it seems like these days I'm, I, I have been consumed um, gratefully by this new project that I'm doing. Um, so you're familiar with uh, vaporizers yep. or e-cigarettes, right? Um, let me let me kind of set the scene here for for what this really is. So, um, this is a movement that that's happening all over the world. Uh, it's the industry is increasing about two hundred to three hundred percent 
per year. E-cigarettes and vaporizers are going to be as popular as regular cigarettes in within 10 years, according to estimates, and probably sooner. Um, there are there are as with anything that grows really fast and any new trend, there's always people, there are always detractors. People saying that the synthetic, that these juices are dangerous for your health, more dangerous than cigarettes, but let me um, just offer some insight. And I've done some research to boot that you can find at the website that I'll give at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the talk. The vaping or using an e-cigarette is healthier, less expensive, more practical, and better for the environment than cigarettes. Better for the environment because the one of the leading, if not the leading cause of pollution in the ocean is uh, cigarette butts. Remember that over one, about 1.8 billion people in the world smoke cigarettes. Wow. 1.8 billion. <laughs> oh, man. So, so we have that so if everyone smoked one cigarette today and they threw it in the ocean you'd have 1.8 billion filters in the ocean people think you know they don't people may hear that statistic but they don't really see that statistic Ooh. just got to show you that yeah and let's say that my numbers although they're not wrong let's say that my numbers are wrong and that it's more like 800 million people smoke cigarettes a year um, I mean, smoke cigarettes in the world. Okay, well, in in two days, they'll leave 1.6 or 1.8 billion filters in the ocean. So, it's better for the environment because there's a lot less of a... Uh, there is a lot less obsolescence. Um, you don't throw... You don't throw the pack out. You don't throw the cigarette out. You, you throw a minimal amount of cotton out um, every month or so with a small metallic piece that can be, be recycled. If, um, and usually I think people are recycling them. Um, it's once a month. And uh, so not only that, but there's, it's better for um, – there's no – ash on your clothes, there's no ash on your furniture, your, your house is cleaner, etc., etc. You, you have, I mean, in, in, any, in case your audience doesn't know what a vaporizer is, it's like a, uh, it's like a Walkman. <laughs> or a, uh, you know, it's something, it's, it's a device that you can use to um, vaporize liquid nicotine. Now, so that's one of the reasons why it's better for the environment. It's less expensive because the equivalent of nicotine consumption in vaporizer form is about a dollar fifty. So for a pack, so for a pack of cigarettes, the nicotine equivalent of a pack of cigarettes, uh, you're getting that for a dollar fifty. So it's much less expensive. Um, and no, I'm not advocating nicotine at all, but I'm just trying to create. Uh, I'm just trying to create context here um, because although my vapes don't have nicotine, they don't have any synthetic chemicals, and they're made from all natural herbs, I'm obviously uh, I'm in support of the vaping 
movement in general because it's such a much better it's so much better of an idea than smoking cigarettes is um and and i think smoking cigarettes just has to go so mm-hmm. um so it's less expensive the british department of public health among other um less reputable uh bodies have said that vaping and e-cigarettes are 95% healthier than smoking a cigarette. I mean, let's let's just keep in mind that 50 years ago, this is a great story too. 50 years ago, scientists uh, did an experiment. They took a cigarette, uh, a pack of cigarettes, and they unraveled um, all the tobacco in that pack of cigarettes. And then they tested it. And it tested out to a about 95% tobacco. So that's mm-hmm. 95% tobacco and 5% what? Uh, flame, flame, they have flame retardants in, or something like that in cigarettes nowadays. But 5%, you don't know what that 5% is. Um, that's 50 years ago. And today, if you were to unravel all the tobacco in a pack of cigarettes, you have about 60% tobacco. Mm-hmm. So you got 40% something else. It's like a McDonald's hamburger. You think it's meat, but it's mostly soy. It's, you, don't know, you don't know what you're smoking. Um, uh, tobacco has – all throughout history, people have used tobacco as a healing herb in, in certain ways. And it's not um, – so I'll leave that where it is. But um, you know, the, uh, you don't know what you're smoking. So with these, with this new development of e-cigarettes, you have, you, you know, you kind of know what you're smoking because, um, well, for one, there are, you can test it. Uh, there, most juice providers uh, provide uh, lab lab tests, and um, you just have the consumer has more control in this process. And lastly, it's practical. You don't have people bumming cigarettes. You don't have uh, lighters. You don't, you don't, you know. So I think I'm trying to make a case here that the, the vaping, vaping is, is the next smoking. And smoking needs to, needs to go. But these new vape juices, they have, they have uh, ethyls, propylene, glycol, synth- uh, nicotine, liquid nicotine, uh, synthetic flavorings from um, that Harvard University says are are tested carcinogenic. And uh, I think they're correct. You know, these chemicals that are in these, these uh, liquids are not the greatest. But maybe um, there's a better way. And that's what I've been working on. So I created a formula that has... Uh, that is 100% based in vegetable USP grade vegetable glycerin from coconuts. It has herbal teas, essential oils, and I use the real herbs from an organic source when I make them. Um, and my flavors, I have about 25 flavors on the market from cinnamon to ginseng, uh, eucalyptus, garlic, basil, oregano, 
vanilla, lemon, cacao, and it has my my driving motivation with this project um, is that I am convinced that my formulas, though they may, though I know they have health values. I mean, I've seen it in the winter when, when me and my family and friends had colds, I gave them oregano vaping and garlic and people said it really helped them. Like I know it works, but my driving force is there's it, there's such a huge potential for this to catch on. And there's, there's such a huge potential, um, moreover, for improvement. I mean, no one has – vaping, vaporizing a medicine is something that you just don't see. Um, so it's really – it really um, just swept me off my feet. Um, and I've been working on the project. It's called 5 to 1 Formulas, 5 colon 1 the number five colon one formulas.com. Um, and yeah, I, that's, that's what I'm doing. Mm. Yeah. I, I think that's an incredible concept and, um, the context you provided was brilliant and, and to, to conclude it with this idea of what you've created out of a, out of a very epidemic problem, um, a habitual problem in our society in one of those unfuck me kind of situations, ooh, did I just say that? Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, one of those solutions is definitely this kind of thing. And even you know, there's a there's an oral fixation component. There's obviously yep. a, a nicotine component, um, a vitamin B deficiency component interlaced with the 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 habituation of smoking chemical tobacco, yada yada yada. But what you've done is you've taken herbal wisdom and folk wisdom, which is one of your trademarks. You're into folk technology. And you've created it into a modern-day technology that's accessible by everyone. It's it's already familiar to people that have that oral fixation that just like to puff on a cigar, just like to puff on a, a cigarette or, or whatever because it – Whatever the feeling they get from it, I, I, I totally understand that. But now you have something that's, it's not like it's just a little less bad for you. It's actually good for you either way. Yeah. And then let me, let me just say this. Uh, I consider myself a scientist. And I, if someone would ask me, is it good for me or is it bad for me? What I would say is nothing is absolutely all the time good for you. Right. And, you know, um, water's like, pretty uh, good. Water's pretty good, <laughs> but if you, you can OD on, you can that's OD true. on water. That is true. You know? <laughs> and yeah, I'm glad that, that's a good, that's a good example. You can OD on water, but water is great for you. Um, you can, um, so everything in moderation and these, these formulas, they are, they are giving you the effect that the herbs themselves have. So if you want to go to sleep, you don't want to be vaping cacao or coffee. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's not what you do. It's how you do it. Yeah. So uh, that's what I would say. And also, <laughs> and I would say the, the research to prove that these are healthier for you is out there. And I'm going to, I'm going to guide your audience to it. 
um, right now. Basically, what we're doing is we're diffusing. We're doing we're doing more than this, but in a scientific way, we're we can say we're diffusing essential oils. Mm. Aroma, the field of aromatherapy, the has a there's a lot of research there. There's a lot of research. Um, you need you only need to Google chamomile aroma uh, aromatic compounds of chamomile, and you'll find everything you need that you'll find exactly what, what stays in the vapor form and what doesn't stay in the vapor form. Uh, camelusine is one of the compounds that can travel in the vapor and you can feel it working on you. It relaxes you. Um, also it's a, my formulas are made in a base of USP grade vegetable glycerin made from coconuts. Um, it's, I don't use propylene glycol. Most juices do use propylene glycol. In fact, most juices, uh, even the, the juices that say they are organic or say that they are, um, they, they're, they're not. They're flavorings. They're terpenes. They're not the actual herbs. They're the flavorings of the herbs. It's a very different thing. Um, uh, what was I saying? The, um, the vegetable glycerin is, is safe. So says this uh, this country, every country in Europe. The countries in Europe that have banned propylene glycol, and there are many of them, have not banned vaporizing uh, vegetable glycerin. If vegetable glycerin, if you don't know, is used as a preservative and an extractant, and it's a sugar alcohol. It's called a polymer, and um, it's it's one percent water and it just it just is a container uh, chemically a safe container for these kinds of compounds in fact most tinctures that you buy in or many tinctures that you buy may buy in whole foods or in a health food store they are they have some percentage of vegetable glycerin in them so this all this information can be researched and if someone were to ask is this healthy or is this bad for me i would say here's all the evidence you can Google the aromatic benefits of any of these herbs. You can find out if vegetable glycerin is safe to vaporize. And go for it. Um, and, the, you know, the last thing that I'd like to say um, is this is not smoking. We're not smoking anything. Uh, it looks like smoke. It is not smoke at all. Smoking involves combustion. Uh, um what we're doing, what any vaporizer user or e-cigarette user is doing, is there's taking cotton and they're saturating that cotton with a liquid. And then the battery, or what they call a mod, the battery is applying heat energy to that uh, wet cotton. Enough heat energy to vaporize the liquid, but not enough to to burn the cotton. That's essential. That's like the principal function. That's that's what's going on in a vaporizer. Mm-hmm. So no. So there is no smoke. It is literally like the vapor you would breathe in a steam room. It, it's 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 vapor. You know what I'm saying? Got it. So there, I made my point. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And we are totally um, at the at the wire here. So. You know, um, 
leaving off this entire conversation, what is like the, you know, maybe one or two principles that you would just briefly share with the audience on, you know, what we have discussed mainly, you know, what can, what are general principles that anybody can apply to start making shifts in their life? I would like to take it. Uh, that's a great question, Ronnie. Um, uh, before I say that, just thank you for having me. It's, it's been mm. it's been great. Um, one principle that I like to live by and that keeps me smiling is, um, and what a great teacher told me is that um, no matter where you are in life, you're at the greatest point of your life. I, you know, there's a reason for suffering. There's a reason reason for victimization and pain and frustration, but I believe in the wisdom of the soul. Mm-hmm. And I think the soul uh, transcends lifetimes and is eternal. And whatever problems you're having now, it's, under, it's, it's a new thing. It may seem like yesterday's clothes, but it's, you're at the greatest you ever were. It, no matter what happens, you're... you're even if it's a very slow path of evolution, it is nonetheless a path. Every, you, can't, you can't escape evolution. So I think that's a good, that's something good to leave with people, you know. Um, if a lot of people, including myself, have um, down on ourselves for not, you know, for um, not being what we want to be, what we think we should be. But life, life is an adventure, and every every tomorrow is a you. You are someone new in a, in a way. Um, so that's one thing that I would say. And another thing is, um, I really, in my own life, in, encourage myself to put away the past and to turn the page. Um, I, uh, a a year and a half ago, I was very busy writing and working the wellness center thing. And I was very content. I was, had my own little nest, you know, and, um, everything was fine with me, but I had reached a point where I, I realized I'm done. I'm done with it. There's something, yes, I could continue to help people and I probably will in some way, but, um, there's something else beyond beyond today that I have to see. I have to be, and um, some people. I, I I look forward to changing, and I just encourage I encourage the audience to to try to do the same. You know, we're we're on that slow curve of evolution, and every day we're different. And to embrace that, and to say today is a today, I'm going to do something entirely new. Because I could be entirely new today is is a wonderful feeling if you really grok it. That's that's my message. Huh. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate you being on the show and sharing your wisdom and your life experience. It it means a lot and with that said, where are the websites and the resources that people can find out more about you and the work you're doing? Sure. Um, my, my website, 
books is Anthony Canelo books.com. Uh, Anthony Canelo, like the boxer, uh, C A N E L O books.com. Um, the, uh, my website, my main website is the nature pyramid philosophy.org. And my, uh, new project, the uh, all natural plant-based herbal vaporizer juices, uh, www.521formulas.com. And you can spell it out or put the numbers in matter. Um, five to one formulas.com. Uh, and thank you. And, uh, I look forward to talking with you again soon. I hope. Ron? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, everyone listening, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show. And, Hearing from our amazing guest, Anthony Canelo, please check out his links um, and the great work he's doing, especially with the vaporizer, the herbal vaporizer technology. And by the way, all of you listening, just as a, in case you didn't catch it, this man has written 14 books, okay? And so there is a lot he has going on in terms of what he's sharing. So go to his website um, go to Amazon, type in his name. I mean, just get, you know, just get immersed. That's really all I want to say about that. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. Until next time, aloha.